Hi, Joe and Rob. Welcome to the podcast today. It's so good to have you here. Um, Joe Tuvenal, um, I just want you to take a few moments and introduce yourself because if I start talking about you, um, I will just talk all about what a wonderful personality you have, <laughs> and that's not going to help anyone listening. But to, I, I wondered if they, do you even remember how we met? I mean, like, like when would that be? <laughs> I do not have any recollection of when we met. Okay. Do you? No, I remember hearing about you when you were down at Twin Rocks. And okay. what was your job down there? I was a program director. Okay. Yep. And how long were you there? 11 years. Wow. Yeah, long time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And now, you, so then obviously I got to know you and your family here at George Fox and your dirt. What's your title here again? It's really Yeah, long. so currently yeah. I am the assistant director of the Idea Center, which okay. is a career and academic planning center here at George Fox. But I came into that job from Twin Rocks um, where I was the program director. Okay. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been in this position? Five years. That's all? Mm -hmm. Not enough. Not enough. Not enough time, but that's okay. So Joe um, is actually going to be moving on in the next week. That's right. That's and why it's not enough. I know. Yeah. But why don't you just quickly tell us where you're heading, and then we're going to backtrack and go back Excellent. to the beginning. Okay, so I'm finishing up my time at, at George Fox and the Idea Center, Okay. and I'm going to be moving on to a position with Providence Health Okay. Um, at their... Portland offices, uh, working as a change management consultant within their, their healthcare system. So as I understand it, I will be working with um, leaders and executives and managers to help them implement change throughout the system. Which you are completely skilled and equipped to help people with change, right? I'm so glad you think that. <laughs> ah, well, just a side note here. We've got Rob Westervelt. Rob, is it true that the Idea Center was your idea or the name of it? Is that true? That is actually true. Okay. The name, that's right. That's so right. the only reason I bring that up is, I mean, we're sitting here with people who name change. I mean, you you make changes in mm -hmm. the environment you work in, and you're very you're both creatives in your own right. Mm -hmm. So, and I do my own. So it, I think this is the new world we live in, where you can have a vocation and that's very creative, mm -hmm. right? Not and just, it can change. And it can change, which mm -hmm. is exactly where you're heading that's to right. help people change. So, um, so Joe, just for a, the last three podcasts that we've done, we have really focused on why faith matters. Mm -hmm. And you and I've talked, I mean, we've had some really good conversations and that's why you're, I brought you in here today because you, you ask really good questions, you're thoughtful. Um, you've, you've had a front row seat to young people. Mm. And I guess one of the first questions I want to just ask you a little bit about is when you look back, especially at your years, um, at Twin Rocks, do you see how, like how we talk about faith or how young people have received faith, how that's changed? Um, or am I making that up? No, I definitely can see that change. So it's surprised me. I'm 20 years into my professional career. Okay. And I never would have thought that my whole professional career up to this point would be working with young adults. But that's really been the core of what mm. I've done. You know, my first job out from college was being an admissions counselor 
at George Fox, oh, working okay. with you know s- students who are kind mm-hmm. of on this precipice mm-hmm. of change and transition okay. from high school to college, so helping them in that process. And then being at Twin Rocks, hmm. a core element of what I did was hire and work with a summer staff team, about 20 or so college students that came out for the summer and worked on staff. And what I loved about this mm-hmm. that team mm-hmm. is that they weren't just there to work. They were there to grow. Okay. and to build community and to be discipled. And and wow. that was probably my favorite part of that job was creating program for them mm. to come together, to engage, to learn, and and really be in the midst of them as mm. they think about what their faith means for them, what it's meant for them, and what it could mean for them. So I, hopefully we'll talk a bit okay. more about that. Yeah, absolutely. And then now, yeah, in the Idea Center, some of my favorite conversations are talking to students about calling and vocation and what that means for, for what they do with their life, but also, and maybe more importantly, who they are okay, go, in good, their life. Right, like mm-hmm. who they are right now. Yeah. So, okay, so let's talk about that then. So you said you, you started this, what was it, would have been 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so what have you, what would you say has changed? If you can... Yeah. Well, I think we can point to some really obvious things that have been talked about before, like social media. I mean, right. I mean... And yet, that has created significant change for how youth and young adults engage with one another, mm-hmm. um, and I would argue engage with with faith. Um, I'm not an expert in that. I don't even use it that much, so I don't want to, to say too much about it, but I think that there, that has um, created some change. I think what I've seen kind of from just a interpersonal level in my work with, with young mm-hmm. adults um, you know, my early years, uh, especially at Twin Rocks, you know, the early 2000s, mm-hmm. um, the students that came to work at camp for the summer, these college students, yes. they knew what they were getting into. They had a solid faith, and that's what motivated them to be a camp counselor and to give back in that way. Fast forward eight to 10 years later, we're mm-hmm. talking, you know, probably post 2010. And more and more of the students and young adults working at our camp as camp counselors were coming into the experience questioning their faith and thinking mm-hmm. that being at camp and in a counseling role would help them navigate that more and develop that and solidify that. So again, that switch from early 2000s, the students coming in, they knew what they were about. They had a great kind of biblical understanding to you know 10 years later where they really had no idea why they believed what they did. So let's, I think that's excellent. Let me ask you to back up again, just a second. We talk about this, like everyone who's listening understands. What do we mean by solid faith? Mm. What do we mean by they had an understanding? Because that's actually where some, some of my questions that I have today um, are about that. So, you know, maybe you, 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 Joe, and even you, Rob, can talk about a little bit what solid means. Yeah, I fear that my idea of it might come across as antiquated or <laughs> okay. kind of kind of within a, a box, like that evangelical okay, box. Okay, well, let's, let's unpack it together. Yeah, so when I kind of pull that apart, um, I, I think of biblical knowledge. I okay. Think, I think, again, early on, those young adults came in kind of owning an understanding okay. of Scripture. Okay. Um, they, were, they, they were taught it. They were taught they it. Were they, they had applied it to their life, okay. and that that's what led them to kind of work in a ministry environment for a summer. Um, I think they also um, were already being discipled, um, whether that be through youth programs in their churches Mm -hmm. or through 
mentors and in, in their college experience. Mm-hmm. Um, their faith was just, yeah, I think it was more internalized and more personalized. Uh, for whatever reason, again, you, you jump ahead 10 years and um, all of that seemed, I think we took that for granted. Okay. And mm-hmm. then it became rocky and shifting and questioning. There was a lot more confusion. Yeah. And I see, and mm-hmm. I love, I love questions. I think, you know, in, in some ways, a gift of postmodernism is a freedom to ask a lot of hard questions Absolutely. about why we believe what we do. Right. Um, but I think we have to find ways to not have that be purely deconstructive for young adults. I think you can use questions and curiosity and exploration to reconstruct. Um, but I'm not sure if there are really, um, I don't know, tangible ways that that's being done with our, our youth and young adults these days to reconstruct their faith. Because I think there's a lot of forces out there that are wanting them to deconstruct their faith and just sort of let those pieces be set aside and move on. That's right. And mm-hmm. I would even say that these people who are encouraging deconstruction are even outside of what we would call Christian faith. And and everyone, and because of social media, because of the online, there are these avenues, right, where everyone can go. Like, oh, okay, I didn't know about that before. Where when I was growing up in the 80s and 90s, right, I didn't have that at my fingertips yeah, to just start that's right. technology technology. Mm-hmm. So not that. Yeah. So I, to your point. Yeah. And that's mm-hmm. great because I think that's the thing. The, the influences on young adults and youth are, have, have widened mm-hmm. exponentially. Right. right. And so again, yeah, when we were young, our parents were influencing us, our churches, our high school friends. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, a youth or young adult is influenced by those things. And so much more, and that so much more is louder. Yes. What they see right in the media, what they see online, it's all really loud. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it almost forces them to take a look at it. So, but what you're also saying, if I'm hearing you correctly, is that the the fruit of that, uh, uh, when you were at Twin Rocks, was um, a questioning, but an instability of faith? Or would you say um, that it was a safe kind of way to go about this? I. I, what I appreciated about the environment we were trying to create at Twin Rocks is, okay. is, yeah, we tried to create a safe place where a young adult or a youth who was coming mm-hmm. to camp could genuinely ask questions. Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand this. I don't know mm-hmm. if I believe this. Mm-hmm. I think with the camper, you know, that's totally appropriate. I think when it comes to someone who's counseling the campers, mm-hmm. that um, scared me a little bit more. Um, and so... That's ex- that's very good. Yeah. That's and so, so again, for us, it, it was mm-hmm. trying to create an environment where those counselors had a space to do that with each other. So they weren't doing it with the campers. Right. Does that make sense? It makes absolute yeah. sense. In fact, I, I know a lot of the kids who mm-hmm. you're, who you went do. through this and my own daughters even went to the camp and would come back and say, our leader said, you know, and would tell her story and my eyes would, you know, be wide open. And I, and I'd say, well, what did you think about, you know, that she told you what about whatever story she was telling them. And so that does as a parent, you know, you would think, well, do I want that person who's questioning their faith, their their values, their morals, being in a leadership position? Um, but that's... And at the same time, though, mm-hmm. to kind of push on that a little bit mm-hmm. more, youth and young adults need... They, they need to see their parents yeah. or other older people questioning. They uh, really do. Right, because, and not, they're not only being legalistic about everything. Right, like, like, right. and that's something I've been thinking about kind of as we, we were preparing for this mm-hmm. podcast a little mm-hmm. bit is... I think something that parents can do mm-hmm. um, 
is is to share some of their journey hmm. of faith with their kids. And I'm not just talking the you know the the big impressive failures or this is the amazing things I've done, but like mm-hmm. those those littler moments mm-hmm. that really do impact our faith, the joys and the challenges. And I think then that gives their child permission to do that too. Well, and you've actually you've actually started the down the road where I wanted to go and when I when I was thinking about you this week and why I was excited to have you doing this. Um, the number one question that par- parents, my peers, um, even parents younger than me ask all the time is, how do I talk to my, my teenagers, my adult kids about spiritual issues? So, okay. Um, along those lines of that question, yes. um, what I think is so fascinating, I mean, cause what you said, Joe, is really fascinating from the, in regard to the speed at which the change happened, yes. right? But what I think is interesting about that question is why is that question being asked? Because they feel like they can't talk about it. Right. But, but, but the question was, mm-hmm. how do how? I basically share my faith with people who are as close to me as anyone? That's Yes. And so it's kind of like going back to this bigger meta question that we were touching about in a previous um, podcast is, what are we doing at church? Um, we, you know, this whole idea that we don't even, and when I say we, I'm talking about people in our generation, right? Yeah. What do we know about our faith? Well, is it possible that everything that we've been building our lives upon needs to change? Is it possible that the way we've built our walls of, oh, this is our Christian faith, that all of that needs to come down and we start over? But have we? have we built the walls to begin with? Well, we built something. Let me tell you that we built something and many of our young people and the Christian adults are saying, no, thank you. Okay. But let's, 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 let's talk about that for just a second. Have we built something or have we torn something down? What's your time frame when you ask that question? So, well, it's, it's with what, well, actually it's kind of in the context of what both of you are talking about, right? Because the speed of change that you're talking about the questions that Pam is raising mm-hmm. are really interesting because it's like, um, we built this faith, supposedly. Right. Did we? Did we? I... Uh, you know, because uh, in some of the reading that I've been doing, uh, in, in, and I was talking to you, Joe, earlier today about Charlotte Mason, um, she, she talks a lot about how uh, the coming, the return of Christ is after, uh, or no, I'm sorry. She talked about revelation. Why don't we have more revelation? She's like, because we continually don't understand and forget the revelation we already have. Mm-hmm. Each generation makes the same mistake. Mm-hmm. Uh, not each generation, but over time. Mm-hmm. So my question is, mm-hmm. think about our upbringing right. and the transition of the church, the moving away from denomination, the moving away from religion, religion. Mm-hmm. and um, and really, I, I, I think about Willow Creek and Highballs and all those guys who were trying to reach a bunch of people. This, in a seeker-friendly way. Yes, but at the same time, tore down what we call church, mm-hmm. and then it became, I remember kids saying when I was in college, that didn't even seem like church. Right. Mm. What does that actually mean? <laughs> you know, so anyway, I just wanted to interject and say, mm-hmm. Is it what we built or what we tore down mm-hmm. that now kids are like, yeah, what is this? Well, I'm not going to answer your question, but I'm going to go take it and, and talk about something okay. with that. Because I think it's interesting as I look at churches these days, 
um, especially amongst young adults, the churches that are growing and thriving are uh, churches where it's mostly young adults worshiping together. Mm-hmm. The pastor might be, you know, older than them, but yeah, it's it's these kind of right. enclaves of like the same. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that's dangerous. I think I, from what I've studied and learned about Gen Z, kind of this this kind of upcoming generation of young adults is that they actually crave intergenerational relationships. Mm. And there, and so again, building, breaking down, I'm not sure if this connects with what you're asking, Rob, but I think there's something about um, recreating settings within homes or within churches or maybe other places, universities, where um, young adults aren't just talking to young adults, mm. but they're interacting with, with people of all ages around mm spiritual topics right um because i think the deconstruction happens when it's just again when it's almost too safe some some in some ways mm-hmm. oh these are my peers i can really you know break this down mm-hmm. um versus mm-hmm. i don't know something about That's having good. this wisdom of the ages mm-hmm. but also recognizing that there could be wisdom in those young adults as well so okay so now going sorry back, i don't know no, I'm not it's, no to it's right what, but going no. back yeah. to rob's question Th- that okay? actually is right along the lines I, of what i was here's about. what i would say i would say both are hap- both happened and now what are we going to do about it hmm. okay so for example yes they're craving it because you know that's what i've been spending the last five years right. working on and talking you about know this. and they tell me personally and privately i'm dying for someone to speak into my life to talk to me about my journey but here's the problem when we start talking about these things, we start talking in religious language again, instead of what you, what you know this authentic, everyday faith that's about Jesus. Where we keep what happens is a young person divulges, you know, hey, you know, I'm living with my boyfriend. I'm, I, you know, we we did it to save money, but I really want to grow my relationship with God. And if you come out of the gate saying, well. You know, you're living in sin and therefore, you know, it's not that that might not be true, but that's not going to build the relationship. So do you see what I, I guess what I'm saying is there's, we're still tearing down what should be the church by the way we speak. Well, I think we have to stop speaking, frankly, as adults, we need to stop speaking to young adults and let them speak. I think we have to ask them questions. How do we give them wisdom? And we have to listen. And we have to listen. We we point them places. And you know, think about this in a home. Mm. It's notoriously hard for a parent to talk to their child about faith. Yes. We can create structures. We can create routines right. and patterns, and those are super important. But you know, I can ask. I only I have a nine year old daughter, so she's not quite to that age right, where it's right. her own quite yet. But I can still say, "How was your day?" It was okay. And that's it. And when you try to engage with, I'm sure with a teenager <laughs> yeah. in faith, you're going to get a one word answer. Right. That's where as parents, maybe if we kind of release it a little bit and we mm-hmm. say, okay, my kid isn't maybe going to talk to me about this right now. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's someone else I can point them to. Mm. Maybe that, you know, maybe there's this person at church who, you know, their, 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 their friend's parent who I respect, who I know has a solid faith. Maybe I'll see if they can have a conversation. Mm-hmm. I, so there's something about maybe we need to stop talking to our kids and start getting them talking mm. or finding other people for them to talk to that we trust and they're going to build them up. I mean, that's, I mean, again, I'm just mm-hmm. kind of throwing mm-hmm. some ideas out there, but that's just one, I, one I approach. Th- I do think that's, and that's letting go of some control. You know, I Which think is we, hard. we parents and sometimes those of us who work in institutions like a, a Christian university or a church, we live in a lot of fear, which rightly so that someone's going to speak the wrong 
thing into our child's life or to that student's life. And maybe in some ways we need to let them experience that give and take a little bit of, you know, is what they said, does that ring true to me? But I, I guess the, the thing that I'm hearing, though, in that is um, where are those people? Mm. Well, but what about, like I keep coming back to uh, in, in previous podcasts, yeah. uh, Jordan Peterson. Okay, so Jordan Peterson has this absolutely crazy phenomenon going on where people are flocking to him. Mm -hmm. And when he was asked the question why, he said, because I'm telling these people they have a responsibility. Like you have responsibilities and duties to uphold. What you do matters and you need to get your life in order. So hmm. I'm curious though, from your perspectives, like where's the church in saying, hey guys, you have a responsibility. Like you gave an example mm -hmm. of, hey, you're living together to mm -hmm. do all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, but what about your responsibilities? What are your duties? And, and where was that in your upbringing? Obviously, it's not there. Right, right, right. right? I love that question because, honestly, if I can just, like, you know, open the curtains a little bit here, that has, there's a verse in Second Chronicles 29 that where, you know, basically one of the priests is like, okay, you've got to take your responsibilities before the Lord seriously. And I feel like God has even been saying that to me. Um, and I'm thinking, well, what are my responsibilities? What do I need to take seriously? Well, what kind of what you're saying, like, what is God requiring of me? And going, mm -hmm. and I love Jordan Peterson, and in his book on the 12 Rules of Life, I mean, he talks about some really basic life, be responsible for the basics of your life, <laughs> including what you put in your mind, right? Yes. I mean, yes, that's a, that's a basic responsibility. So you know what that used to be called? Prudence. <laughs> what a word we use today no we do oh we do yeah we use the short version oh we call it a prude prude a yeah prude. so you're it's if you're prudent it's negative hmm. so what's what i find interesting about what joe said is he he was using the word deconstructing yeah and then what i hear uh being said is that what people are yearning for is what we used to have Right. And so the question is, is going back. And this is, I think Jordan Peterson and others have talked mm -hmm. about this is like, we need to go back and learn again from the hard earned stories and traditions of our ancestors. There's a reason why they still persist. Right. Going back to the Bible, mm -hmm. going back to the Christian faith. Mm -hmm. The question is, and this is kind of where I keep coming back to mm -hmm. is where is that faith? Mean and we had this question about what is faith, what is right? faith right? But what is what is it that we believe, and how does a person get to the point where they made the decision to say, "Yeah, we're just going to live together." We're just going well because somehow along the way, somebody didn't tell them that that wasn't the wisest decision to make. And there's a book out. I'm sure you both have read it called "The Defining Decade" hmm. uh, by Meg Jay. I haven't heard she that. is a psychologist from Stanford University, and it's one of the best books I've ever read on young adults. Mm -hmm. And she has a chapter in there. Um, she is not coming from a Christian perspective at all, but she comes from a very "this is the right thing to do" perspective because I'm watching young people who feel like failures. Mm -hmm. They come into her office and they talk to her about you know, something's not right. I'm miserable. And she comes back to them with, well, what decisions are you making? What choices are you making? And one of the ones that she brings out is she says, let me show you the research on when you, when you live together with mm. someone before you're married. Um, and 
it not, has nothing to do with what the Bible teaches. It's just, here's what research shows. Mm-hmm. So what we need to go back to, I think God had this figured out, but because it's so negative and this idea, and this is really what I want to get to with you, with Joe, is we have this image in our mind, our young people for sure, that Christianity, that having faith is old fashioned or that mm-hmm. it's it's over. We're done with that. That's what I hear uh, young adults saying to their parents. I that's not for me. That was your faith. That's mm-hmm. what you believe. It's not what I believe. And so the what I what I want to know is how can what are some ways with your experience working with the college students that we can have this conversation about faith? I mean, Jordan Peterson is doing a great job. So what mm-hmm. about the rest of us? Yeah, like within the within the church setting or some well, of the Well, what know. but they're not in church. Mhm. I mean, some of them aren't going to church anymore. Yeah. I guess I want to, so I might ask you to repeat that question in a minute because I want to respond to one thing you said. Sure. I'm guessing the, you know, those, those, that couple that's choosing to live together, I bet someone did tell them that they shouldn't do it. But on the flip side, a bunch of people told them it's okay. And I think that's part of the challenge oh, here. Interesting. And, and I'm, I'm guessing the person that said you shouldn't do it was direct with them. For some reason, the people who probably said it's okay, they probably never met before. It was indirect. So like a loose tie almost kind of thing? Maybe. But I just think it's, again, that's, that is, you've identified a really, really important dilemma. Um, yeah. So, okay, I'll move what on is to the your, What is the dilemma? This idea of that I can make decisions that I, I know probably aren't right for me, this idea of, of maybe being disobedient. Okay. Um, but still have, but still be able to kind of pursue faith in a, in a healthy way. Hmm. I, I, the best example I can give is, is, I hate to give this example and I won't be specific, but you know, we would have young adults that wanted to counsel at camp. Okay. Who we would say no to because of choices they were making. Okay. Um, and, they could not compute, well, why, you know, why did this negative behavior, why is that making it so I can't be at camp? Well, because we believe the Bible says you shouldn't do those things, mm-hmm. but they could not think about the outcome attached to that of not being able to Okay, so kids. let me, if I play the devil's advocate with you, what I can already hear um, some younger people saying is, well, doesn't God accept me just the way I am? He knows that uh, that's who I am. So now you're just giving me a set of rules. Yeah, I know it's so hard. I'm I am I'm not I'm just saying this because. Yeah. But I think getting to your point, we have to. You can call them rules. Mm-hmm. That's a very rudimentary way, you know way to mm-hmm. identify them. I mean, it's about obedience. Okay. And as I try to tell my young kids, you know, it's it's the the things God asks us to live by these yes. rules or as they, you know, the 10 commandments as mm-hmm. my kid, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. They're these guardrails. Mm-hmm. We can totally go off the road, but we're going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Right. And God knows that. And, um, so I, I don't know if I have a great conclusion to draw from that, except that I think we have to, I hope it's not cliche, but I, I would say something to this effect. I think Christians, with young adults, we need to talk more about what we're for, what we believe, yes, than what we're against. against. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, kind of something that. we hear a lot. Yeah. And I just think it's so true. And so how do, we, how do we reframe this with young adults? How do we create environments where they can engage, where they can grow, where it's safe? 
maybe it's not going to be safe. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe, maybe we need to be pushed and they need to be pushed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think that there are fundamentals of our, of our Christian spiritual development that have to do with scripture mm-hmm. and the Bible mm-hmm. and not, not our interpretation of it, but just our interaction with it, reading our it, interaction with it, mm-hmm. hearing it read something I, I wish I had did more of is like reading it with people, like just sitting down yes, and like reading yes. the Bible together. It was together. meant to be right. read It's with kind people. of old fashioned sounding, but right. like, like, you know, we've been talking about, there's something to kind of history and tradition mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Um, prayer. You know, I felt mm-hmm. like I was so short changed as a youth and a young adult. I loved God. I, mean, I grew up in a very strong home, but I felt like I was so short changed in learning about what prayer was about. To me, prayer was just laundry listing the things I wanted mm, from God. As opposed to a loving, intimate relationship as with a, your heavenly father. Yeah, as opposed mm-hmm. to like what it can be. Yeah, the, the, this, even beyond like being conversational, mm. I, I discovered like liturgical prayer in like seminary. And this idea that I could be joining in prayer with people mm. who had gone before me. Mm. Um, people who are in other places praying prayers, set prayers that mm-hmm. um, that resonated. Well, that's interesting. Not just the ones I was making up. Right. Rob and I talked about that last time, that that's one of the reasons why we've chosen to go to, he and his family have chosen and our family has chosen to go to a Presbyterian church mm-hmm. because of the liturgy. They follow the church calendar right. and, it, and it's like a remembering. Oh mm. yeah, the whole, the whole world is praying this, right. you know these Psalms right now. And it's so foreign to me because I come from more of a friends or Quaker background, which right. kind of strips all that away oh, to where okay. prayer is, is honestly just listening. And I actually think that's beautiful. Which too. has great value. Beautiful right? too. Yes, right. It is. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm straying so far from your question. I, well, I warned you no, I would do I, that. No, well, that's okay. So let's, but I think that this is the question I even want to like let hang in the air for a little bit is, are we willing to have a new conversation? Are we willing to listen when we hear something that's going to cause us to flinch a little bit? Mm -hmm. Are we willing to listen when someone is telling us something that maybe is against, is going against, we know what scripture might say, but are we willing to walk alongside people? Mm -hmm. Because what I'm, what I'm starting to hear over and over and I'm, and, and I feel like I'm getting, I'm slow in getting this is that love right? This, if someone feels deeply loved by the way you're paying attention to them and listening to them, they're going to respond. Love's a great motivator. Um, but if there's this sense of always being judged, you know, by everything you do, um, I don't know, somehow that repels people from us. So how we talk about our faith in the Lord Jesus, how we talk about what the gospel really is, with this set with our voices sounding like love with our lives proclaiming love and still not saying hey go ahead and do whatever you want that's where i guess i would like to hear a new conversation about yeah and on one end i would say i think that young adults and youth need to be involved in reframing that conversation yes so so and and i feel like that's something you do so well pam is that you actually ask them what kind of conversations do you want to have? Absolutely. Instead of us saying, here's how we need to reframe this whole dialogue and right. church thing. <laughs> right. I, and I'm not saying give carte blanche to youth and young adults. They have a lot that they still need to learn. Right. But I think to let them inform what kind of questions do they want mm-hmm. to be asked? What are, what's most yeah. important to them right now? And how can we 
meet them where they're at, I think mm-hmm. is, is a significant part of that reframing and restructuring. Yeah, that's good. And I think going back to what Rob said is it's so funny what they really want are the things that, you know, from long ago. Mm-hmm. And so how do we, how can we tell those stories yeah. in a loving environment and bring people along so that we, because I actually believe our responsibility for anyone who is a believer is to fight for the faith. Mm-hmm. I believe that's our responsibility. That doesn't mean fighting in a way that causes hatred. I think it should be causing people to want to pursue. Mm-hmm. And that's really what I'm wondering what that is. And so um, I don't want to change the subject yet, because, but I really, really want you to talk about... Um, like this idea of calling and faith and vocation and all of that, but I'm wondering if there's a way we can bridge that. Well, I, I want to kind of, maybe yeah. I can, because yeah. I want to say yeah. one thing. I think yeah. another really important aspect of this conversation is we want to assume the best about youth and young adults. Oh, that's good. I think yeah. it's easy to kind of come at this, yeah. assuming sort of the worst, like, oh, they don't Absolutely. get it. They don't know. They don't have the Bible in their lives, et cetera, et cetera. Right. I think we need to kind of assume the best and, and go mining for what, what do what is the yeah. best about them? And, and yeah. one thing that I've noticed mm-hmm. in my conversations with students here around calling and purpose yeah. is the fact that that matters to them. They mm-hmm. they don't want to just find a job to make money um, or, to, or for the sake mm-hmm. of finding a job. They mm-hmm. want to find work that is meaningful. They want to find um, a job that pays them but is aligned with some sort of cause or mission that um, connects with who they are at their core, whether they're Christian or not. Which wouldn't, isn't that a spiritual attribute? Yeah. Well, and that gets to your point is they don't know who they are at the core. Ah, right, Pam? Yeah, I mean, this is your true. whole enterprise right here. And I was reading Richard Stern's, I don't know if it's his latest book, but it was from 2013 called oh. Unfinished. Oh, okay. And in the introduction, he quotes John 10, 10, which is the whole gospel is Jesus says, I came to give you life. Hmm. And Christianity is a life. Yes. And it's a counter life. Hmm. What what I what I think I I hear is that we've gone away to some degree <laughs> yes. from the counter life. Hmm. So now Christians have lost their otherness. Hmm. And part of the reason why they lost their otherness is because they don't know who they are. Hmm. We spent so much time trying to be like everybody, everybody else, else and assimilate yeah. that we've lost that otherness, but I was curious to know what you guys think about this. You've probably heard this book title the coddling of the american mind <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. but the subtitle so this is jonathan Haidt's book he co-wrote how good intentions and bad ideas are setting up a generation for failure mm-hmm. oh so the conversations that i hear are all about good intentions and they're all about how people have bad ideas that are not new ideas. <laughs> they're old ideas what? that have been shown to be bad. bad. Right. And I think we have to be fair. Young adults have good intentions. They're not the ones with the bad ideas. I think society is feeding them with a lot of crappy ideas. Oh, for sure. Well, uh, that they're gets... putting themselves in the in the way where they're getting those. Well, that's what I was gonna mm-hmm. say. You had said uh, you had said something that made me think of the question: Who is instructing them? Right? Where do they get their instruction? And they're getting it from these sources like social media mm-hmm. and culture, mm-hmm. um, not from the church, um, not from people of faith. And, and what I would say, just to challenge something that you said before, um, what Jordan Peterson actually does is the opposite of what you're suggesting, that, you, that you're, you know, let's assume the best. He's like, no, let's assume the worst 
you are capable of being a monster <laughs> and the person who thinks they're not is the most dangerous person in the world. Mm -hmm. And this caused him to go down into Judeo-Christian values. And that's mm. where he discovered some right and wrong. Yeah, because that's you right. get this Augustinian tradition mm -hmm. to say, actually, we are more capable. Now, look at this quote from Barbara <laughs> Brown Taylor, okay. who I'm sure, do you know who that person is? Yes, I do. Listen to this, Joe. I want to know what you think of this. <gasps> and this is just getting so much love from this group that you are trying to engage with. Let me hear the only clear line I draw these days is this. When my religion tries to come between me and my neighbor, I will choose my neighbor. Mm. Jesus never commanded me to love my religion. Oh, wow. That's right here. <laughs> and people are like, 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 like. Oh, of course. Well, there's another commandment that comes before love my, your neighbor. Mm -hmm. What is it? Love the, love Lord, the Lord your, your God. God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Bingo. Mm -hmm. We've lost that. Yep. What is what is that? It's the uncoddling of the American mm -hmm. Christian, mm -hmm. especially, to say, yeah, yeah, you're you're being coddled too much. You have all these bad ideas that are coming from Lord knows where, and we need to straighten this out. And so Jordan Peterson, somebody like Jordan Peterson, is coming along and saying, you know what? Stop telling everybody uh, what political system they should align mm -hmm. with. Go back and clean your bedroom and start treating I, your friends with respect. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? He is. He's got some great points. But where's the church is what I want to well, say. Well, and I think that's really, yeah, there's like three different things going on right now. But where is the church and shouldn't shouldn't she be a stronger voice? Mm-hmm. Joe? And Joe, that's really <laughs> what we're wanting to Yeah, do. and it's it's hard for me because, again, working in a parachurch organization, which is what I did at camp, mm -hmm. um, you know, technically a parachurch organizations are supposed to kind of be supplementing the work of a church, but so often I saw churches farming out the work of evangelism and discipleship to the camp. Oh, and that, that caused me a lot of concern. And I think, you know, for, for many hundreds of years of history, the church had enormous wealth and power. Yeah. And um, I, I think that's changed. Um, even intellectual wealth and power, I think the church is struggling to kind of carve space for that. And that should be of concern. Again, the, the church is probably the last place where a young adult is going to go for um, for, for counsel, insight, for counsel, wisdom. for knowledge, any of those things. And mm -hmm. that's, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's hard for me. I've had a tumultuous relationship with the church. We all have. I mean, it's mm -hmm. just, I want so much to mm. believe in what it, what it is, mm -hmm. not what it can be, what it is, but I see it struggling so much to be what it, what it is, what it can be. I, I just... And and I'm not I'm not the type to be like let's get all churches on social media so they can you know yeah. really influence. <laughs> I, I am more what Rob might be suggesting or Jordan Peterson might be suggesting of of a you know what's worked well in the history of the church. Mm -hmm. Let's like let's put that back together. Mm -hmm. And I do believe that thin people will want that because I mm -hmm. think I think the core of what church is meets the core of our needs and desires as as people. That's why God created it i mean i mean it's yeah right and if and if jesus is the head right and we really know his character and his attributes and that's where our eyes were fixed on as hebrews tells us on keep mm -hmm. your eyes fixed on jesus 
we would be so filled with wonder mm -hmm. that we wouldn't be cynical, skeptical, you know, distraught over the church because he was, he's the leader, but somehow, somehow even our churches aren't looking at him, you know, I'm not sure what they're looking at, right. but I think probably what they might be looking at is, oh, we've got to keep everything the same. So let's go back to your identity question. I, I want to, because this is like your big pursuit, yes. right? Okay. So um, the question, I guess, that keeps popping up is right along the lines of what you were just talking about. Who it, what is our identity? Mm -hmm. And where are we getting our direction from? Because we, we like to talk about the church, but what is the church? Mm -hmm. Part of our identity is the church right? Because mm -hmm. we talked about this in another episode where we're, we're prone to externalize. And yet there's these duties we have. Yes. We're always coming back to As that. members of Christ's church, mm -hmm. that's our identity is in mm -hmm. Christ, right? Well, what responsibilities do we have? Well, what responsibility? I mean, I think that's what I'm wanting to hear us talk about a little bit. What are our responsibilities? I mean, to speak the truth in love, to initiate with people, to welcome people into our home. But maybe it's, maybe it's even deeper than that. I mean, maybe some of our responsibilities are to confess our sins to one another, hmm. you know? Yeah. I mean, it's one of, I was, I was going to share today that, um, you know, I have my girls, we moved here 19 years ago and now they're all adults, right? I've got one about to get married. I've got one about to graduate from college, another who's going to be a sophomore in college. And what do I care about more than anything is that they have a, a faith in the Lord Jesus. That's my, that's been what I have prayed for, for them because I know what life without faith is like. And I didn't want them to know that. Well, one of our conversations one day was, oh, mom, you know, you're always in your closet praying. You know, they kind of joke with me about that, right? And I, and I, I kind of actually, for one time, got kind of hurt by it. And I said, wait a minute. Do you guys understand, like, this is the real deal for me. Like, I'm not just doing this as a religious activity. Like, I have a relationship with God. And, like, I felt like I was defending myself with my, with my own family. And they're all looking at me like, she's taking this just a little too personal. But it was really important to me that I, that they understood that this was not just a rote thing I did, mm -hmm. you know? How did, that, they, how did they respond to that? Well, the, at first they were like, mom, why are you getting so upset? Like, why do you feel, why are you being so intense about it? I said, because I don't, I didn't like that you were using language as if that's what mom does. Like, I feel, I'm like, this is something that we do when we want a relationship with God. And they, it's interesting because each one were like, mom, we know, we know that you're, that this is real. And I said, well, when we, when you get skeptical with me or when you get like a little sarcastic, um, then I start thinking it's just that you think it's just religion. Mm. And so to your question, you know, to what you're saying is how do we do that? How, what's my responsibility? I think my responsibility is to, is to make sure like, I say to my kids, like, this is, like, it's God in me. It's not me and, like, all my other idols, you know, because it's very tempting. I could have a lot of other idols, but I know that I have this relationship with God. And, and so my children and I have kind of grown into how to talk about it. They don't want me to expect them to have the same relationship, mm -hmm. and that's fair, and that's right right? Brad doesn't have the same relationship with God that I have. And so that's kind of the stage that they're looking at is like, it can look different. 
right? I mean, isn't that how it, I mean, God can't relate to all of us the same. That would be exhausting. <laughs> do you <laughs> right? think, do you think it's supposed to look different for every individual? I don't know. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. I don't know. know. I, I think that there are avenues to connect with God, but not everybody has the need to talk as much as I do. <laughs> because where, where I go with this conversation, I think that's a really great illustration. And I, I guess I want to say your girls, that mm -hmm. could be a really defining moment for them. I think they're going to, it's going to define them the more down the road. Down the road. Yeah. When they make those choices. When they have kids. Yes. Yeah. Or when you're not here anymore. Well, the oh, defining. I mean, it's I true. I, but, no, yeah. but it's true. <laughs> that, that, I really think that, that, could, that could be a but moment that because you were passionate, you were honest, you were authentic. Yeah. I think that's really important. No, I, I, I wanted to just uh, piggyback on what you were just saying on the defining moments. How many defining mm. moments do young people get from mm. people who are more concerned about being true to the faith in their own lives? I think we yes. are missing that in, so in our world mm -hmm. that there's not enough of that. There's not enough of those defining moments because we're coddling, right? Sometimes we're coddling ourselves and then Absolutely. other times we're coddling other people mm -hmm. and we feel like it's all up to us. You know, mm -hmm. oh, I got to use this tactic or what's, what's the best way to do this? Well, it seems <laughs> like Christ is pretty simple about it. He's like, you follow me, pick up your cross, mm -hmm. follow me it's they're not going to get saved from you they're going to get saved through me hmm. what i need you to do is just be faithful hmm. and and i feel like there's not enough of those defining moments hmm. because it's not as pervasive what is more pervasive is a completely alternative view of life itself and that's what's new is there's just an overwhelming abundance of instruction going to these open minds mm. that is filling them up. And and these things are, are not even filtered. Mm -hmm. They're just brought in. Yeah, there's That's so good. You talked about prudence earlier. I would use the word discernment. It's I think that's something I noticed over the years as far as change goes okay. with young adults is a, a growing lack of discernment of what is oh. true, what is beautiful, what is right, what is right those mm -hmm. kinds of things. And so that's something that maybe for us to mm. think about is how do we help young adults and youth um, discern things, mm. what, what they're taking in. So they're taking in a lot. Getting back to church, just something that kind of rises in my, in my mind is the idea of community. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that this this kind of group is so hungry for is like genuine authentic oh, community yeah. not something that you find online mm -mm. or a cause that you mm -mm. give money to but like right. face to face you know community and and um the church could be that the church could be that but that doesn't happen just on sunday mornings and so and that's another kind of pressure point is we're also quote busy you know, with our lives, that mm -hmm. all we're really willing to give to it, the institution of the church is our Sunday mornings, right. and maybe you know five to ten percent of our money if we're really doing good. Um, <laughs> but 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 I think the church can reconnect with this demographic if it can figure out how to build community in authentic ways. So I'm going to push. I'm going to push all of us good. on this. Is to say. I think one of the challenges with the this discussion, Pam, especially I mean this discussion mean the bigger the bigger, the picture, bigger discussion right? is a lot and even when you talk to young people, again, it's externalized, right? 
the conversation becomes externalized about other people uh -huh. and what's going on, what, yes. what so-and-so yeah. needs to do. And then that almost it never feels detached. It never gets back to what are you going to do? Like right now, yeah. when you walk out, yeah. what do you believe? Why do you believe this right mm -hmm. now? And, and you know, like we, th we talk about busyness. It's like, we're actually not busy. Hmm. We're doing what we want. Yeah. Look <laughs> at the stats. How many hours? You can go to your phone. Yeah. Like everybody can go to their phone right now and say, how long have they been on their phone mm -hmm. today? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. And then go to uh, internet usage, mm -hmm. video, the whole nine yards. We got plenty of time. We're choosing not to. And the question is, why are you choosing to binge watch this Netflix show rather than have friends over? Mm. That's a good question. A question we probably haven't thought about, but we are the church and the church is binge watching Netflix. <laughs> That's true. That's just the fact. But the church is made up of you, me, mm. and you, <laughs> right? And we can keep saying, you know what the church needs to do? Absolutely. But it's like, what do we what need do we do? to do? Mm -hmm. I think when we bring it down to that level and then we say, I'm going to do X, mm -hmm. right? And then that young person says, really? That's cool. Wow. Mm -hmm. Maybe I should do X. Yeah. Why are you doing X? Mm -hmm. Well, because I'm part of this life movement started 2000 years ago. Jesus says, I came to bring you mm -hmm. life That's and bring good. it in the full. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just want to toss that out for thought, mm -hmm. reflection. Yeah. Because I've been in so many of these conversations and it always... Good. Is about somebody, somebody besides else, the people right. having the conversation. External. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Well, I guess I would say, I mean, I, I, something you said made me think. As a coach, we're always wrapping up with action steps with our with our students or our clients. You know, well, what are you going to do in the next 24 hours Ooh, to I move like this that. forward? And I somehow I picked that up from what you're saying <laughs> when I leave this room. And I guess my recommendation would be to go find a young adult mm -hmm. and get to know them better. Um, and maybe, maybe not your kid. I, I know we really want this to be our parents and kids, but, uh, but no, I, no, no. I think that's I'm a whole different, about, yeah. I think you I'm find, find a, a young person, you know, I 16 agree. to 24 and who's not, not your kid and invest in them. Mm -hmm. Take them out to coffee or lunch just and just, know, get, just to get to know, know them. their name. Yeah. When you see them, yeah. say their name to them. Hey, it's great to see you, Rob. Mm-hmm. I remember the last time we talked and remember something they said. Mm -hmm. It's yeah. it's not that hard. Well, and maybe even for people listening, like maybe do that with your children. <laughs> it could be the case, like ask yourself some basic questions. What's your child's favorite color? What What is their favorite book? What are they thinking about right now in terms of where they want to be when they grow up? Right. Some people don't know. Right. And then take all those 24 hours and say, okay, how much it, could Have I, I give up right. of this thing that really doesn't do anything yeah. but make me miserable, <laughs> which is called social media, and exchange that with what mm -hmm. Joe is suggesting. I like it, Joe. So say it again. What do you say to your client at, or to the Oh, it's students? just, it's an action step. I mean, it's, it's, okay. it's what is what's it? one thing you can do in the next 24 hours to move this forward? Okay. Um, so what's and, one thing? Yeah. Let's let's leave that as our challenge. Yeah. What's one thing that all of us can do, each of us in this room and anyone listening, that we can do to move forward um the faith mm -hmm. in love? Mm -hmm. That's really a great question. One person at a time. Mm -hmm. Let's yeah. not think externally. I love one that. Example. Not be, an example. Be, be the example. Be the example. Yeah, be the example. So, I like that. I like it a lot. Do you want us to answer that question, or you just put yeah. it out there? Yeah, Joe, do it. Oh, you've got it. it. You've on. got it. Answer it. Shoot. 
<laughs> well, even though I said go find someone who's not your family, if I'm personalizing this right now, yeah, I have a nine-year-old daughter, and she really is at that place where she, it's just starting to become her own. And um, I, yeah, I guess I want to. I think, you know spend some time with just her and me like go to coffee mm-hmm. together like what i do with students all the time exactly maybe i'll do it with my daughter yeah and sometimes she she doesn't like to just sit and talk she likes to play games and do things that's right so maybe to do something together but also make sure there's some moments where we can talk and mm-hmm. maybe i'll even write down a few questions i want to ask mm-hmm. um you know so i don't have to like think of them on the spot i'll just kind of bring two or three with mm-hmm. me and and if she sees them i think that's even cool too like validating like hey hope mm-hmm. i want to ask you a couple questions really curious what you think about these things so that i mean that's something that. for me that that's what i, I, I would that. commit that's really to really awesome that's okay really awesome. what are you gonna do rob um i'm going to a fiesta tonight okay so i'm gonna hang out with people and Great. we i was telling joe earlier today we stopped all screen time in our house which has been amazing all of you stopped all it? of us every single person wow. and we started singing hymns before bed every night oh that's but awesome. let me tell you something. My three year, almost three year old, yeah. is opening up the hymn book and just he wants his own book and looking at. It and we're all seeing. My kids are singing. This is great. And day one didn't work out. Right. It was not that great. <laughs> but now the kids are grabbing the hymnals. Right. And I'm like, and they're waking up happy. Yeah. I'm just like, what has happened? You know what's happened? What? Um, we changed because <laughs> it was so much easier for it. them to watch Netflix. That's good. You know, Andy Crouch has a book out on technology and and i don't know what it's called Mm. but it is about that yeah it's called stop using it so much (laughs) (laughs) that'd be a great title that's what are you gonna do i want to know when i leave this when i leave and get back after the five o'clock you know when i'm done working today i will go home to my house where there are not only my own adult children but uh three others who are visiting from california to go to a wedding and these young adults uh are, they said thank you to me this morning. Thank you for letting us be in your home. Well, they're coming for dinner tonight, and I can hardly wait to ask them all my Ooh, questions because awesome. they love it, and I can't wait to. You ask should borrow them. my microphone so you can record it. Actually, not a bad idea. They love it, and I've never, I've never had a young person. I mean, they're a little at first. They're like, "Is she for real?" Mm-hmm. But when if I listen, you know, I learn so much. And and I love when my adult daughter's friends text me, hmm. and they call me Pam, and they say, "Hey, will you pray for me today?" Hmm. So that's what I'm going to go do, I love and I'm going to continue. And here's here's where I would say I can be tempted. Sometimes I'm tempted to think I don't have the emotional energy for this, and that's wrong because actually it gives energy, mm-hmm. right? It gives. I think that's life. So I agree. Thanks for doing this today, and we'll continue another time. Thank you. Awesome. All right.